Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. We followed the Apostle Paul on his missionary journeys throughout the Mediterranean world and uh, finished out the book of Acts coming to uh, uh, Paul in the city of Rome in prison, waiting for his appearance before Caesar to make his case and present the gospel message. Now, as we heard in our last session, there were several letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches that he had either uh, helped to start or worked with for some time. And these letters were written during this period of his first Roman imprisonment. They're usually called Paul's prison epistles, and they consist of the letters of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. So in this session, we're going to begin to consider the letter to the Ephesians. Remember that Paul had stayed in the city of Ephesus briefly at the end of his second missionary journey, and then on his third missionary journey, went back to the city of Ephesus where he stayed for an extended period of time, over two years he was there. And these events took place in Acts chapters 18 and 19. The letter to the Ephesians may be Paul's uh, magnum opus, his his, uh, greatest letter on the church, the nature of the church and the glory of the church. The purpose of the letter is to give some insight into the mystery of God, which Paul describes in detail in Ephesians chapter 3, and to talk about how believers are to live in light of God's plan for the church and their involvement in it. So in this session, we're going to examine chapters 1 through 3 of the letter to the Ephesians. Chapter 1 really has three sections. Verses 1 and 2 is the greeting and introduction. Verses 3 through 14 show us a blessing or hymn of praise that uh, that Paul puts forward to God. Verses 15 through 23 show us Paul's thanksgiving and prayer for the believers in the city of Ephesus. Let's look at uh, the second two sections as we begin. In verses 3 through 14 of Ephesians chapter 1, Paul gives thanks to God the Father for the work that he's done in accomplishing our salvation. He says first that he chose us in him that is in Christ, before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless before him. Verse 4, and that we were predestined for adoption to God as his sons, his children, through Jesus. This shows that God had planned out our salvation even before creation. God's uh, master plan is an important part of the letter to the Ephesians. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, in verse 7. This was according to the plan that he had for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, according to verse 10. 
we have also been given an inheritance, eternal life, and have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our future inheritance, we read in verses 13 and 14. So in these verses, we see the work of God the Father in verses 3 through 6, God the Son, the Lord Jesus, in his sacrifice on our behalf in verses 7 through 12, and God the Holy Spirit in verses 13 and 14. And we see the three divine persons in uh, active together in planning, accomplishing, and applying salvation to our lives today. Now, in verses 15 through 23 of chapter 1, Paul says that uh, this is his reason for giving thanks for the Ephesian church. And then he tells us what he prays for the church. He prays that they might have the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, that they might have the eyes of their hearts enlightened, and that they might know what is the hope to which he has called us and the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward those who believe. This is verses uh, 17 through 19. What an immense and amazing prayer that we might have spiritual sight and eternal perspective and understand the riches of his glory and the uh, awesomeness of his power. He goes on to say that it is this same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him far above all other powers. He finishes this section, Paul does, by saying that Jesus is not only over all creation, but is over the church, which we are about to find out is God's eternal plan for creation. He's been working all things toward this purpose in the past. Now we come into chapter 2 of Ephesians, and in chapter 2, Paul puts us into God's plan individually, revealing that we ourselves were spiritually dead and living like the rest of the world, deserving of God's wrath in verses 1 through 3. But God raised us up, giving us spiritual life and seating us with Christ in the heavenly places. Believers in Jesus then occupy positions in two realms. We are present in this physical world, but also seated with Christ positionally in the spiritual realm, in the heavenly places, as Paul says it. God did this in love through Jesus. It was an act of grace so that no one can boast. This is what he says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So together, believers in Christ are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, a lot of times we think of that verse, Ephesians 2, uh, 10, uh, in a very individual way. But I think it is as we believers individually use our gifts for the building up of the body of Christ, that together we are working together to create this 
a beautiful work of art that God had designed beforehand that we should do uh, in Christ Jesus. In verses 11 through 22 of chapter 2, Paul writes about how Gentiles were once far off from the promises of God and strangers to the covenants of promise. But uh, now, through the blood of Jesus, we have been brought near. Jesus himself is our peace, who has broken down the dividing wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles, Paul says in verse 14. This statement really is an allusion to uh, the fence in the temple precinct that separated the court of the Gentiles from the court of the Jews. And Paul says that uh, in Christ, Jesus has destroyed this barrier separating the Gentiles from coming in and having access to uh, the presence of God. So Jesus now gives everyone access to God through faith in him. Together, now Jews and Gentiles who believe in Christ are being built up into a holy temple for God in the Holy Spirit. That's verses 21 and 22 of chapter 2. Now we come into Ephesians chapter 3, and in Ephesians 3, Paul speaks about the stewardship that he had been given to take the good news of Christ to the Gentiles. He says that this was a mystery not revealed in ages past, and here he's referring to uh, the Old Testament period. But now this has been revealed to humanity through God's holy apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit in verse 5. And the mystery is this, that Gentiles are fellow heirs members of the same body, and partakers of the promises in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So where in the Old Testament, Jews and Gentiles were separated and Jews thought very negatively of Gentiles, they did not have the promises of God, they did not have the spe special revelation of God through his scriptures. Uh, now, the mystery is that in Jesus, the barrier between Jew and Gentile has been broken down, and through faith in Christ, these two groups who uh, previously hated one another are now being brought back together and restored in fellowship through their common bond of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to tell us that this revelation brought to light what had been hidden for ages past in God, that's verse 9, so that the church might now make known the wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places in accordance with the eternal purpose that God has realized in Christ Jesus, verses 10 through 11. The church then makes known God's wisdom not only in this world, but in the invisible angelic world, the heavenly places as well. This was part of God's eternal plan and purpose in the world. The church is what all human history has been leading up to. God has providentially worked in human history to bring about this new formation of 
uh, a humanity that's restored to him through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the final verses of chapter 3, Paul writes about his own mission or purpose for being a slave of Jesus Christ, as he calls himself. His desire is that the church together might know the love of Christ that exceeds knowledge. This love of Christ is a love that's not just uh, intellectual, but it is experiential so that we live out what we know uh, in, to be true in the world around us throughout our lifetimes. It may be, uh, seem impossible for us to accomplish, to attain to this knowledge of the love of Christ, which uh, surpasses uh, really uh, intellectual knowledge, knowing that we still struggle with sin in this life, in our existence, but God has provided everything we need. And Paul's benediction in chapter 3 and verses 20 and 21 remind us that God can do above and beyond even what we think is possible. This is chapter 3 and verses 20 and 21. Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so these first three chapters of his letter to the Ephesians show how the church really was God's desire for humanity all along. God knew that humanity would fall into sin, but through the sending of his son and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, he had planned even before uh, the Old Testament times, that through the sending of Christ, those who would believe in Jesus through their faith in him would be united not only to Christ, but to one another in this uh, amazing new humanity that, they that he calls the church. And we are going to see in our next session how Paul tells the Ephesians they should live in light of these powerful realities and their identity as believers in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.